afternoon and welcome everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Ah, here we go. Here we go. Game week, everybody. I'm Jeff. That's Tom. Director Matthew here as well. You're you. You're listening to us and we're very appreciative of that. There is a string that is going to drive me nuts if I cannot identify it. Fabric problem to start the show on Game Week, Tom. That's not what we do. On Twitter, it's at Show. Usually the fabric problem is uh, the color purple in our jerseys, not garnet. But, yeah, you know. that was, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm all pumped up. It's game week, ready to go. Welcome in, everybody. And this little string's going tickle, 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 tickle. Can't have all that. Yep, depth chart here in hand. We pretty much guessed that, right? We, I think we, I think we were right on every position. I mean, just you and me talking. It's almost like we were able to go to practice or something. It's almost like we saw the same thing the coach saw. We were like, yeah, he should probably start there. He should start there. Good that they see it that way. I'd hate to think they were wrong this early in the season already. Uh, yeah, so here you go, guys. It's time to time to go. It's it's this. It's hard to believe, isn't it? Let's just big picture here. Come on in here and talk to Uncle Jeff. Here we go. Where are your heads at? You feeling all right? Everybody okay? You are eagerly anticipating another season just as I am. But uh, are your hopes high or are they dampened by the handful of years uh, that lay before this one? You know, the ones that had us thinking, ooh, goodness gracious, are we ever going to get back? I know there's some trepidation. I know that the... Uh, cautiously optimistic crowd. That would be the vast majority of Florida State fans, I think, right about now. I think the most cynical amongst us, the most jaded, broken down, frustrated uh, fan amongst the group on a Monday of game week finds that tinge, that something in them they thought was dead, that had been beaten out of them. They woke up today and they went, all right, all right, I am. I've got to admit, I feel I feel pretty good about this team. Like whether it's true or not, that just that's it's the it's the fan in all of us. It's hard. Like I I'll give you a good example, and certainly the Knowles aren't this, but I'm a Pittsburgh Pirates fan. You guys know this if you're regular listeners. So you know, much of my uh, life has been spent uh, hoping against hope in the regards to the start of a new season and my passion for the Pittsburgh Pirates. There have been a few exceptions, including when I was eight years old and I saw him win the World Series, but but it's been a minute. <laughs> so, you know, and there's been a smattering of seasons that ended in heartbreak. The early 90s, Braves fans, you guys know the outcome of those series. So toughies, well, game seven action, hurt your feelings. Then there is the, uh, the run from about eight years ago where we're back-to-back seasons we're right there 98 wins you know real good team league mvp and andrew mccutcheon got a cy young candidate and garrett cole looking looking good tom <laughs> the cardinals won 100 games oops and we get beat in this newfangled one game play in scenario isn't that nice that was lovely so yet at the start of every spring training i lie to myself and go you know if they get a few bounces you know baseball's fickle if they can win a lot of one-run games, you never know. Maybe they'll get to 
81 wins or 82 wins, finish above 500, and that will satiate the, the fandom in me for the moment. I don't have these crazy aspirations of winning a World Series, just a, a winning season. I'll allow myself to believe it because I don't care how much of a realist you are, and I am a realist and very pragmatic. I, I know that the personnel, I'll look at it and be like, that ain't good. That's not good. This guy's going to be our opening day starter, and he's not any good. He wouldn't start for half the team. He wouldn't be in the rotation for half the teams in the National League. But he's our ace. That's never a good sign. But maybe he has a good year. Maybe he figures it out. <laughs> so Florida State has better than that in the way of hope in recent success. Florida State has cachet that is the envy of college football most places. Not all, but most. And so... We're not that far removed from having won the national title in 29 straight games. Uh, we're not that far removed from having been a perennial powerhouse, one that was loathed by the masses for its consistency of dominance. I liked that feeling. I liked walking through the door in a Florida State hat or shirt or in the midst of a conversation with the fellas Maybe at a different locale. Maybe we're out of town covering a game. Whatever it is we're doing. And it comes up that you went to Florida State. That you root for Florida State. That you're an old. Because a lot of times, the look on the faces of those around the table was that of uh, disdain. Uh, that of, well, well, you've had a tough life being awesome forever. <laughs> and so we're not that far removed from, from that. But we are far enough removed from those days now that we are yearning, salivating, longing for something that suggests once again we will sit atop that mantle, that those descriptors will once again be viable, that finally there is evidence to that end, that it's on its way. We can smile again. Oh, happy days are here. Nobody's expecting 10, 11 wins this season. Nobody's, well, there are always the over-the-top, as they would say, uh, pie-in-the-sky fans that believe their team is always the best team, no matter the evidence before them. But very few. That's a small percentage. Most of the fan base, I think, that I interact with, that we see in this chat, that we get in emails or on Twitter or on the message boards at warchant.com, which if you sign up for right now, it's just a buck! It's a dollar. What are you doing? All FSU fans, let's get two. Let's get after this. Warchant.com on three. One dollar, one year. Head to Warchant.com to sign up. The Jeff Cameron Show every afternoon. Similar headlines on Tuesdays. Wake up Warchant in the mornings. And then, of course, all that we have coming up for the start of football season. My goodness gracious. Dominic Robinson's already making waves. Already making waves out here comparing Johnny Wilson <laughs> to an elite all-pro receiver. <laughs> so, hey, I like it. I like it. I like that you guys mastered the uh, the pick to go with the video, the astonished look. Oh, well, because that's a genuine astonished look. There's a... Uh... Unlike our compatriots um, at a different network, national network, ESPN, you know what we're all talking about, in their morning programming, I think those things are scripted. In fact, breaking news, those are scripted debates and scripted faces that they make. 
That was not a scripted face from me. Neither was it a script, nor was it a, a scripted face from Ira last night when it was that he's a better version, that Johnny Wilson is a better version of Kelvin Benjamin. That, well. Okay. Well, I sure hope you're right, because if you are, that's the mother of all calls before it actually happened. It'd be great. And if you're right, they're going to win at least eight games this year. Yeah, well, if he's if he's right and he becomes that from day one this year, this season, yes, all of a sudden this team is very different. Um, I hope he's right. And I certainly don't begrudge him for having the opinion. That's fine. I don't, I'm just not willing to go there. Well, I don't see it. But but he, maybe he does, and that's fine. I don't think he made it up. That's what he sees. Uh, I hope so. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, Kelvin Benjamin was only good for like five minutes. Kelvin Benjamin didn't try real hard almost the entirety of his time here. I think that's part of the point. Well, right. Kelvin yeah. didn't try real hard, didn't really like football very much, and you know had to be conjoled and convinced to do something. Once he did... He made himself some money, and he won a national championship, and he was temporarily, very fleetingly, unguardable. Jameis helped him immensely, and what I mean by that is he would always get him involved. He'd throw to him in triple coverage. Like, I'm going to – you have to run the routes, Kelvin, because there's a chance I'm coming back to you even if you're not the primary, even if you're not the guy, even if you're not open. Just Jameis knew enough to know that if he didn't get him the ball early in games, that he'd check out. Because even when you're not open, you're kind of open. Well, because you're gigantic. Johnny Wilson's big. The, the, he he is two, taller. He, that is a fact. He's, he's a taller man. He's not as thick, but he's taller. Anyhow, it doesn't really matter. Let's hope he is. The point is, Dominic Robinson will have analysis. He'll break down players, formations, games, quarters. It's happening in-game this year. It'll happen this Saturday. It's a watch-along. And we're happy to have D-Rob on board with us. Big Coop's got a show here on War Chant TV, which is awesome. Tonight at 7.30. There it is. Just like that. In the Coop. It's fun to listen to Big Coop talk some football. That's good. It'll be great. That's on board as well. Pre-game show this Saturday. Myself and T. Lizzie across the board right there. We will be with you. There you see all the goodness up on your screen. Hotel Indigo is where we'll be starting at 2 o'clock live on the air. We'll take you until 4 o'clock. We get off the air. It's at that point that I have an ice-cold, tall beer at Hotel Indigo and then walk my way over to the stadium, which you can see off in the distance, and celebrate the return of Florida State football with the masses as they enter the stadium and tailgate, meet up with my father and my two boys, and we cheer on our beloved Knowles. You will be part of the watch-along with Dominic Robinson and the post-game show, which comes on 15 minutes or so after the game ends. Gene Williams joining you there. As you can see, we're chocked full of things to help inform, entertain, and uh, embrace the return of college football, in particular Florida State football. Very exciting times. And I, I did. I woke up uh, nostalgic today. I woke up in a great mood. Uh, you know, as I was pouring the coffee, I was thinking to myself, how about that? You dreamed a dream. You dreamt that someday you would have an opportunity as a broadcaster to cover. And at the time, when I was a little kid, in my mind, covering football, covering sports, covering uh the, the thing that I was most passionate about, which was sports and music, sports and music, those two things, right? That's what I loved the most. I remember thinking, if you could ever get a job like that, wouldn't that be the greatest thing in the world? And then I did, and I do. And I remind myself on game week every year, like, it's still, they haven't fired me. I'm still here. I'm still doing it. 20-plus years later. 
And I'm grateful. I'm grateful. And I'm grateful to be covering Florida State. Especially because I do think there's a chance this year that we get to see a little bit of the turning of the corner. And I've been a part of that. I've seen what that looks like. And that the optimism that comes with that, the, the excitement that comes with, it's weird too because I'll tell you, whether it was as a student or a little kid with my dad or all these years later in this role, I've been through the, oh my God, we're building into a juggernaut phase where you can see it, where you can look at it and you can see all the signs that portend of dominance. You're like, well, the level of talent is getting better and better and better and deeper and deeper and deeper. And now we are one of those programs. Like this is one of those. I remember watching that happen going from the, from the mid eighties on into the early nineties and realizing, Oh man, it's us and a handful of other teams that every year they're going to be, you know, plastered all over your preseason mags. You were going to see, you know, and, and then at that time, you ended up watching Spurrier be able to do that for Florida, and you saw them rise up Miami, the arch rival, the state-dominated college football period. Every now and then, you'd look around, you'd see, obviously, Oklahoma, or you'd see Ohio State, or you'd see Southern Cal, but Notre Dame always was pretty persistently talked about because of who they are. But it was, it was fascinating. In the early days of the domination of the dynasty years, of the burgeoning dynasty, the SEC really wasn't talked about all that much. Florida was in the process of changing that conference forever. Spurrier's offense was. And it changed everything about who they were. But Alabama wasn't any good, save for Gene Stallings' little short window where he won a national championship. LSU wasn't any good. Georgia was dreadfully bad. Prior to Spurrier, Florida wasn't any good. You have Galen Hall and Pell and those guys, eh, nothing great. He was the one that flipped their reputation forever. So I watched all of this happen, and I just remember thinking, this, we're part of the halves. This is so cool. This, it's going to be two games a year that decide whether or not we win a national championship. That's it, right? So I watched it, was part of it, got to, got to be uh, in the stands for some of those critical moments, those, those historically great and or tragic moments for the dynasty years. And then later... By 99, you know, I'm done with school. I'm, I'm in this role. I'm doing this job, right? And, and so we'd really never gone away. We had just remained dominant. And then the 99 National Championship happens. I'm there at that game. Incredible moment. Obviously, Peter Warwick's catch the whole deal. Knock off Virginia Tech. And then you felt like, okay, solidify. That's two. Now you got two. You know, now you, you got two. Let's fast forward. I know it gets a little rocky. Gets a little rocky. I was there to document that too. Yeah, and those it's called were, undergrad for me. And those were controversial times that I remember. And I'm just glad social media didn't exist back then. It was hard enough reading some of my emails after some of the things I had to say about where I thought that program was going. I can't imagine what it would have been like in the era of social media. I probably would have just had to block everybody. But that said, that said, weathered that storm too. And then got to go with you to Pasadena. And watch that happen. But got to see when Jimbo took over and the recruitment, quote-unquote, of grown-ass men and how quickly it began to shift. And in some ways, and this is the point I'm getting to, and it's why I hope, really hope, that we get a glimmer of it starting this Saturday and on through this season. In some ways, I enjoy that process more. I enjoy, because winning national championships never gets old is always awesome. And being there for that crescendo, for that crowning achievement, is something you'll never forget. But it's not as fun, as they say, as the ride. 
the ride to that point is better because you can anticipate it. You can see it. You can watch the building blocks being put into place. So when, you know, you and I were at the ACC championship, we, we, we saw yeah. where we were close, but we weren't ready. No, but that season is one of my favorite ever. Yeah. It's a fun season. Because every week mattered greatly. That's the thing. When mm-hmm. when you get to the 14-year consistency and dominance that we were at, where I, I was a kid and I was watching those games. My sister went here, so it's not like I, yeah. I became a Florida State fan only through undergrad. It's It's been in my blood. It's been in my family yes. for 30 years. Man, what, that year in 2010, every game mattered greatly. It was like the Super Bowl every week because it was about trying to find your way to become ACC champions again, trying to consistently be in the top 15 or top 10 if you could. Uh, It was about beating Miami and Florida in the same year for crying out loud. It had not happened. Can you make this happen? Can we get over that hump? I did not see a single rivalry win at home in my four years at Florida State. Not a single one. The closest I came was 21-14 for Florida. That was the 2006. And that was the beginning of us getting trounced forever because – and in Miami, I watched Kirby Freeman beat us. It's a tough I watched Jarman Fortson drop the ball in the end zone. That's yes. my last crack at it. That was yes. my last crack at a victory Good over catch, an in-state Jarman. rival Good catch, in Jarman. my undergrad experience. So that ride was amazing, and it was cathartic, and it was fun because every week mattered. When you're on a 14-year run like we were on from 88 to 2000. Yeah, a lot of weeks don't matter. Right. They're like you said, conclusions. you've got two or three games a year that That's really it. matter. That's it. That's it. And the margin was so thin because there was only, really, you had the Bowl Alliance then and then the BCS towards the end. It wasn't a playoff. You couldn't fall back and finish fourth and be okay. No. So, Oh, if there had been a playoff, we'd have seven, eight, nine national titles. It's insane. I, There's numerous times Florida State was easily the best team in the country at season's end. I tend to agree. Well, but if you look at those seasons, 10, 11, 12, and the championship year in 13, of course 13 is my favorite. Jameis against Pitt that Monday night changed everything. I'm in the stands with my dad having walked through a deluge yeah. in the stadium. Then shortly, uh, about Wearing six Earl's weeks. Wearing Earl's shirt. That's right, Mr. Earl. I miss him. Rest in peace, Mr. Earl. He would enjoy this ride. I think he'd, I think he'd have fun with this team this year. But uh, after 13, it wasn't the 12 season. It certainly wasn't 11. No. 2010 is my second favorite from the it's point crazy. that I went to school to now. Well, Let's have a year like 2010. Yeah, and that is really when you begin to see, as I called it earlier, the, the burgeoning developments, the steps being taken, the ride that you're on. When you... You're not on a ride when you suck. You're in misery. You're in line for the ride. You are in misery. Things are happening to you that you can't do anything about. It is a helpless feeling. It's it's uncomfortable. You got to deal with it. And part of your maturity as a fan, to some degree as a man, is being able to handle those down times with dignity. It's pretty tough to do. Pretty tough to do. You can only have sand kicked in your face so many times and look the other way. When it's prolonged, the anger subsides and apathy sets in, and that's dangerous. It's dangerous for programs. Very dangerous. Can't have that. Can't have apathy. You can have hate. You can have lust and love and hunger. Can't have hate. You can't have apathy. That's right. A little bit of lust. Yeah. You gotta. You gotta want to win big. You gotta want to get back up, right? So, when you begin to see the signs that it's happening. That there's a little, there's something to this squad. There's a little what for to this bunch. They're tougher mentally and physically than they've been in years past. Getting down 13 to 3 in the second quarter is not a death knell. You're not thinking, oh, well, here comes the ass kicking. You're thinking, all right, let's settle down. Let's get into half. Let's make some adjustments, see what we got. Like that can happen, like it did on the back end of last season 
where you're not out of games, where the fight is apparent. Yeah, okay, so to liken it to the 2010 season again, that team would annihilate at least one player per game. You think yeah, about it. Yeah. It was Greg Reed. If it wasn't Greg Reed, it was Moody. If it wasn't Moody, it was Kendall Smith. If it wasn't him, it was Mike Harris. Somebody different every <laughs> Little week. Oh, Mike Harris. Remember that hit, the yeah. Miami one? Yeah. The perfect rap form? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Every week, somebody would just take your life and take your soul on the field. And I love that about that team. They would screw up. They'd give up big plays over the top. There would be terrible drives where they didn't look competitive, but they kept fighting. And last year's group in November had a little bit of something to him, kind of like that. Jamie Robinson over the middle. you got to think twice. Akeem Dent, the revelation of the second half. Waking up. Yes, the Miami game. You're seeing receivers turtle a little bit. I loved that. It's it's an indication that this group defensively might have that kind of nastiness to them like we saw in 2010. I don't know about it as much skill, but they might have that same type of nastiness to them. Well, I certainly think they have a greater level of consistency. I think if you go read the roundtable about the defense on Warchant.com, you can read the offense one too. It's up there, Warchant.com right now. Um, you know, I talked about what I think they have defensively, and I talked about a guy like Tatum Bethune a lot and what I think he brings to this defense and where I think they're stronger. But I also brought up some stats about where they ranked over the last eight games of the season. Uh, defensively, and those those advanced measures are all very very kind to Florida State in the last eight games. They all speak to a very high havoc rate and success rate defensively. Um, if you look if you look overall of where Florida State was at the end of the year, just those last eight that's a lot of games. It's not like three games; it's eight games. Florida State was top thirty, and the, now when you add the first four in, they go falling off a cliff, of course, and that counts too. But what I think is that they get the opportunity to step foot on the field for game one where they left off. Now, they do so having lost two very key ingredients. Jermaine Johnson being the most obvious, Care Thomas being the other, and the production of those two gentlemen is off the charts. So you will not supplant that on equal footing. You will not. You don't have to. It just can't be cataclysmic. The drop-off can't be so, you know, I would say cavernous where you go, my God. You know, you you can't have that. They have to just be in the ballpark of average in replacing that productivity because I think they're better in a lot of other places right? I mean, and deeper at a lot of other places and more consistent. Even if they're streaky at that position, you're consistent enough everywhere else where I think you can hold. Mm-hmm. And they'll bring pressures where they need to bring pressures, and I think that's going to be a big part of the equation this year. I'm curious how often what players. We haven't been very good at disguising looks or disguise. We have to play a certain way. Now that is still where we're at, by the way, defensively. They they are not real good at flipping what they are. They're they're the best thing he does right now. The best thing he does, Adam Fuller, schematically, is the twists up front. With the line, he can play games with that with personnel where they line up and then some of the angles he can create. But in terms of bringing a fifth or a sixth guy, it's it hasn't proven. Mm-mm. But it might be a player issue. And if you've got better players here this year or more developed players that are holdovers from last year's roster, maybe that changes the equation. And magically, he's really good at it because better dudes are on the field who are uh, faster and have a better knack for it. We'll see. Yeah. Welcome to game week. All jokes aside, yes, it is self-promotion. It's a company I work for. But I think we have a lot for you to help cover this team in the way of entertainment, the way of insight and intrigue. It's all there. It's $1 right now. I don't know how long the offer will stand. I mean that. I don't know. 
I know it is a limited time. Yeah, it's not like a staff vote or something that's from corporate. Yeah, it's from corporate, so I, you know. Corporate anything, right? What are you going to do? They consult with Gene, but they'll tell Gene. They're like, no, this is what we're doing. So $1 right now. Jump on board while you can, and let's go for the ride together. It is fun, and I do think this could be that step. I do think this could be the moment where you go, all right, they're not great. They're not, you know, they're not winning the ACC, but they're showing signs of life. They're going to have a winning season. They're going to finish in the top 25, perhaps. Like, you might see something like that. Not in Duquesne. Not Duquesne. I'll be honest with you. The only thing that can really be helped in the Duquesne game is communication, substitution, personnel, getting guys in and out, on and off the field, communications on the headsets, how they interact. That kind of stuff is what these things allow you to do when the physical mismatch is this great, in my opinion. So you're not going to learn something about somebody in this game when they run past a Duquesne player. But you will help out the process, the game day process, and get that behind you going into the LSU game, which is not nothing. It's not nothing, right? But it's a reason to get excited. Football is back, obviously. Yeah, you get to see how the operation works. Yeah. How clean is the operation run? If there's a lot of pre-snap penalties for both sides of the football, you're going to be a little bit more worried about LSU. But if it looks clean, everybody's communicating <laughs> yeah. well, then you feel a little bit better about yeah, it's it. It's a game one. I mean, there are, are going to be things that you're like, ugh, I'm going to clean that up. But that's what these are for. So we shall see, right? Chef Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply When I was about to come back on. A little cough action. Good Monday, everybody. Good game week. Good game week indeed. This Thursday, Redemption Thursday returns. This Friday, Libations Friday. A couple things to point out. Lee Sterling will join us, Paramount Sports, as we get back into it. And myself, Corey Clark, we will be on Appalachian Parkway at the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. And, uh, Celebrating with a little happy hour. Happy hour at uh, CP. I think it's 5 to 6. Could be 5, 30, 6, 30. Either way, you get the deal. You get off work. You roll on in there. You'll be out there. Yeah. Meaning you, the people. You'll be out there enjoying your Friday. Getting ready, man. Getting pumped up for the season. Yeah. Opening day eve. Ooh. Got to have our Guinness. Did we ever have one? We did. We did have the one at the end of last year because it was, remember, we had remarked that it was a sin that we had not had a single one on a football Friday. I think we ended up having a few. Right, but we checked it off the yeah, list. Yeah, we checked it off the list. It was yes, a concern yes. that it was ever going to happen. Yeah, so. well, it's going to happen this Friday. That's right. We're not fooling around. No the- pussyfooting this Friday. We're going to get right to. Perhaps last year was the Guinness curse. Well, no, they just sucked. But 
here, this, this, it will, it won't be that. It will be. They made poor decisions at the quarterback position. They were sitting there trying to figure out if a guy who didn't have a working foot could be the starter. That's not. That's not what we do. So, you know, we're not taking the blame for that. Uh, the Guinness, it will be. It's going to be delicious, ice cold and tall. And we will clink glasses with my father, who will be making his that's, way into town. That's why. If he's there, we got to have one. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'm going to tell him to get his ass in town on time. A lot of times he gets into town Fridays around 6. I'm like, ah, what are you doing? And then he wants to hang out till yeah, 8 or 8.30. I'm like, no, you know? man, it's yeah. too late. It's too late. You're retired. Get your ass in the car at noon. This is verbatim what how it you, sounds that, at CP. <laughs> yeah. There's 30 seconds of pleasantries. You know, when the show's over, there's a hug. How you doing, son? I'm good. How's the drive? Good. Get your ass down here on time. Yeah. And, and so it begins. Like, oh, here we go. Yeah. I'm going to go break down. Is it so difficult to get in? Yep. You're, you don't have a job. You're retired. Get in the car. Here I am, the fly on the wall who's wrapping up the XLR cords. This is what I listen to. You should have been here yesterday. You, what the hell else you got to do? Nothing. <laughs> Could have seen your grandsons, yeah, picked yeah, them up from that's, school. That's what I'm saying. All right, so the depth chart came out today, and again, we alluded to this at the start of the show. This will be a short segment because I went long in the first segment for good reason. But uh, just for those that didn't know or really weren't paying close attention and certainly that couldn't see uh, practices the way we did, then, you know, I get it. If you're watching on Warchant TV, we've got the graphic for you. Good job, Director Matthew and Tom, as we have the depth chart notables um, I'm just going to start at center here. Uh, Darius Washington is going to be starting at center. That has to do with Maurice Smith not being available for this first game. We do not know when Maurice Smith will be back. Now, some of you asked this question of us when the depth chart was made known. How come we haven't talked about Maurice Smith being out? Well, because we're not allowed to. Mike Norvell does not want us to discuss injury. Moreover, all we can do if a player is hurt is ask him on the record about the player. We can say uh, any thoughts on, and let's just say you're, you know, I, I'll use I'll use Marie Smith for that matter, Coach. Um, you know, Marie Smith, your thoughts on 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 his camp or whatever you might say, and then he if he feels like telling you that Marie Smith's going to be out for the first game then that's how you get that information. If he doesn't, we, we can't go with it because it's seen, seen as a strategic hindrance. So he acknowledged that he's not playing, and that's why that's the first you who know for sure that Maurice is not the starter there. We obviously know Caden Lyles was not going to be the starter. He is knocked out for the season, and that was addressed by Mike Norvell. So, you know, it's a little unfortunate that you had two guys at the same position, one for the year lost, the other – dealing with an injury right now. We don't know how long he's out. I don't know. He could be back for the LSU game. Don't know. Mike's not saying that, so we'll just have to wait and see. Darius Washington's versatility led to him being able, as he came back from an injury himself, to come in there and, and, and they could plug him at center. Thomas Schrader, in my mind, it makes perfect sense that he would be the backup center. Um, he seemed the most consistent in the practices we were at. There are others that they will work in that spot, and this is a group that is pretty deep, meaning the offensive line. Uh, Dimitri Emanuel getting that uh, nod, it looks like. 
Yeah, with the or designation is interesting to me. Me too. I was kind of surprised by that, and I don't really know what to make of it. Uh, turning time does not strike me as a guard. Right. Now, they have worked him out there in the oh, last they, they week, week or two, mm-hmm. but specifically he's seen more reps there at guard, and that's something that Mike said today on the record, so we can bring that up. But that was a development, I'd say, I don't know, six, seven practices ago Yeah, that he started rotating in at guard. Yeah. Interesting that he would climb all the way to first reserve. I believe, honestly, that the backup at left guard, which is Bryson Estes, is your first man off the bench for the interior. Without question. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. So if Emmanuel's not available, I think 77 goes in first. Even though he's not slotted as the second-team right guard, I think Estes goes in first. Yeah, they may have been catering to the ego there. It could be. Who knows? I don't really care to, to pontificate on that. Well, I'll just tell you. And this. it could still develop to where that you know bec- that becomes a, a true competition for who's the sixth man. I mean, you never know. Yeah, I know that. Uh, yeah, I could answer this question. Yes, Darius Washington has been practicing at center. Yes, Jason, I can answer that. The answer is yes, he has been. So he he's uh, you know at, once Maurice went down, they they've been able to get Darius out there. He it, really the timing couldn't have been better because Darius was just kind of working his way back into the lineup and. He's versatile, and they've been able to put him out there. What's your assessment of what you've seen out of Darius so far? Now that the cat's out of the bag. He was always going to be a versatile offensive lineman, and we were trying to tell you that, that, look, his versatility is going to be key sooner than later. But center is now the home. For now. For now. I've got no problem with the physical aspects of what he'll be asked to do at center. I have to see greater consistency snapping the ball. Yep. Fair. I think that's my assessment. 100%. So he, he and, and he may get there. And I'll be honest, you know, even if he snaps the ball well against Duquesne, it's it's quite another thing to snap <laughs> the ball across from somebody who can destroy you well, versus somebody that, that, is, that it can't. And there happens to be a kid that can for that right. FSU team. Yes. Think about one of the great examples in Florida State history. It was the 2014 FSU-Clemson game, and it's a goal line play. It seems like nothing. It was a replay review about whether or not a receiver caught a touchdown from Deshaun Watson, and it was it a touchdown or was it marked at the half-yard line. Next thing you know, because of the fear of an Eddie Goldman up the middle, there's a high snap. Well, and he, he's got a jump. Remember, there's also right. yes, yeah, there's all of it. Instead Beautiful. of a short touchdown, a different number's on the board, and that changed everything about mm-hmm. the way that game felt in the moment. Mm-hmm. So that's the difference that nerves of somebody who's good across from you can dictate the way you snap the football. So even if things are simpatico and look fine against... Uh, Duquesne this weekend. Uh, well, it's still going to be a talking point for me next week. It's still going to be a talking point yeah, of they, nerves. They better they better look fine against Duquesne. Good lord, man! Uh, I I hope you're not fretting over uh, the the nose guard at Duquesne. Uh, uh, that would be a problem. So sure. let's we'll be watching that closely. Um, but yeah, he, he's he's talented enough and and physical enough to be able to do what they need him to do, and athletic enough is the word I meant to use. Uh, yeah, I, listen, in the Estes part of it, I, he's going to play football this year. He's going to get in games. He's too good. He's had a great camp. I've really been impressed with him. I've talked about it a lot. Uh, he has earned the right to be that first guy off the bench, in my estimation, my my opinion. Now, of course, the depends on what's needed, but I, I believe he's a guy that is very talented. Yeah, either guard position. Get better. Either guard position, and I think in a pinch he can play center too. In a pinch, I think Schrader. I think Schrader's the depth chart the is backup. correct. That depth yes. chart is correct. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's pull it back up there uh, as we look at this. Uh, nothing else really stands out. Micah Pittman, uh, not shocking. Is is he's one half of the kick returns. We know he's a punt returner. There's no or with mm-hmm. the punt returners. Mm-hmm. But on the kick returns, we talked about Deuce Span. That's something that we were able to talk about because it was during observable parts of practice. But it's Deuce Span or Sam McCall on one side and Micah Pittman on the other. That's at least how the depth chart has it listed. Interesting, but also explosive. 
Yeah, I'm excited about it. I I really hope Span catches the first kickoff. I re- I want to watch him. He's just he's an explosive player. Uh, we got to be better than we were a year ago. So if we are going to return it, I need a guy that can get past the 25 in a hurry. Let's make it worth your while. Uh, we shall see. Defensively, um, I think I think we're going to continue to see a lot of ores just because of the down and distance type stuff. Uh, and and so you know, not surprised there to see Derek McClendon. Uh, I think that uh, this depth chart is exactly what I thought it would be. Yeah, I think the one thing to clean up is is probably related to um, the defensive front. I think they're going to be multiple. Well, they so are going to be multiple. You, That's why they, yeah. If you look and you see, it it would read, if you just look at the depth chart by itself, that Dennis Briggs isn't a fixed starter and there's going to be a rotation on the other side. Sometimes, sometimes that's going to be the case. But, I mean, they're going to be multiple based on down and distance. Cooper and Lovett aren't going to be out there on third and 17. No, Dennis you know? Briggs will do. Though. Right. But then you could put McClendon and well, Verse out there things. together. You could well, put Peyton out there, who had a good camp as well. Amari Gaynor out there. You can do a yes. lot of different things. Yes. You move guys all over the place. Ditto for second and nine, yeah, and yeah, ditto yeah. for third and two. You yeah. might want Warner out there on the other side from Briggs. I mean, it, they're going to be multiple there, so I wouldn't get too nervous that you don't see uh, Jared Verse's name listed atop of McClendon's name. I don't think that's representative of what the snap count's going to show. Good for Renardo Green. I mean, he held it down. He did, um, and and you know what to see him. Uh, we'll we'll, uh, we'll watch closely how that develops. But I got to give him credit. If you go all the way back to spring, you go to where we are now. You would not have guessed going into spring that Renardo Green was going to be on this team, let alone start. Yeah, it was, and and I mean this not in a bad way, but it's going to sound bad. It was cute that he had the black jersey on during the tour of duty. You're like, oh, good for him. Yeah. He's he's giving effort. He's so, trying hard because that's the max effort color for that particular yep. part of the offseason. Wow, max effort from an art. I'm glad to see he's still invested. That's nice. I don't know what it's going to materialize in. Probably not much of anything. Mm-hmm. And then you watch spring practice two weeks in. You say they can't get. Could, they can't get him be the guy. They can't get him out of there. He might be the guy. They can't get him out of there. Yeah. So good for him. It's Jeff Cameron Show ninety three three Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Big picture stuff as college football returns this week. Think about Georgia, for example, having lost 15 players to the NFL draft. Whew! That's where you want to be in recruiting, folks. That you're you're talking about how do we replenish the 15 draft picks that we lost? Good thing you won the national championship, Kirby. That would have been a bad look. That would have been a tough one. 15 people drafted in the NFL. I mean, come on. That's insane. Anyhow, I bring it up because I'm looking big picture here at the start of the season. Start of another college football season. You're damn right it is. They are plus 400 to win the college football playoff. And they are behind two teams. And you can name them easily without looking. Alabama, plus 175. Ohio State, plus 300. So that's not surprising uh, at all. The real intrigue is who's number four? Who's the fourth team that's going to find their way in there? College football needs it to be a surprise, I think. They need they need a, a Utah or somebody like it. Uh, they need something other than, say, Clemson. Well, the worst thing that could happen is Utah stumbling out the gates in Gainesville. 
for a lot of reasons for us. Well, yeah, and they could. Um, that's a first game of the year. i got to imagine it's going to be hotter than Hades. That's not a talentless roster at Florida. Uh, they'll be sky high. That'll be a loud environment. You know, I mean, Utah's a nice story that I've made money on over the last couple of years, but they're still Utah now. I'm not losing perspective. This isn't like a uh, a team that's stockpiled talent the way the SEC clubs do. Um, their, their starters are good. Utah starters are good. Cam Rising's a really good player. And it certainly helps if you're going to pull off uh, a big win early in the year on the road against an SEC team. You better have a quarterback you trust, and I think they do. So that game, which we've talked about a lot this offseason, is very fascinating. And I, probably one, I'm, one of the most exciting games uh, that I can look at the, the ledger there early in the season. And, and just because I, I don't know who's going to win that game. And I, I, I like the game. It's just a fun matchup. Utah is extremely well coached. Kyle Whittingham does a great job every year. They've got a good quarterback. They're deep on the offensive line. They've got a stud running back. You know, obviously they won the Pac-12 a year ago. And in a weird way, there's more pressure on Florida, home opener, new coach. Oh, yeah. So even though you're the better team and you would think there's pressure on you not to lose your spot in the standings, Florida's going to be feeling it running out of that tunnel for the first time. Yeah, let that be 14-14 in the third. And uh, and we we're all going. Oh, well, what do we got here? All right, you know. I mean, I, and I think it has a chance to be kind of a slobber knocker like that. By the way, Bryce Young, uh, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, uh, is 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 right there amongst the uh, favorites to win the Heisman, as you might guess. So is C.J. Stroud, quarterback, Ohio State. Um, you know, I, I I this is to me where I think it can get interesting is uh, if you want to make any money here. Take the 20-1 to 1 odds, Travion Henderson, the running back at Ohio State, who I like a lot. and I, we, we, we watched him a year ago. He's a stud. Uh, so, I mean, if you're just trying to find value there, it's not bad. I'm not going to take a defensive player, so Will Anderson's off the board for me. Uh, I guess if you really want to go, again, down the charts here, you could look at um, if you think Florida's going to come out the box and have a great year in year one with Billy Napier. Anthony Richardson's also 20-plus to 1. Yeah, I mean, you could take a risk on somebody like a B. John Robinson if Texas were to win 9 or 10 games, too, just because I think well, the media... Feature they'll feature him. Right. He's a great player. And the media would be apt to vote for somebody in that uniform. It matters. You know, if, if somebody does that at Minnesota, it's different than if they do it at Texas. Just the brand matters for, for voting in that particular type of award. And then somebody like a Jameer Gibbs, too, if he were to emerge for Alabama and become the front man of that number one team or number two team as they're entering the playoff... That's a guy who, again, if you're just looking for value, not a favorite, but yeah. value, that could be a player. Yeah, and, and, and a guy that is uh, doesn't hold as much value, but you, you're going to do better than if you took you know Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. Uh, Caleb Williams, I mean, going out in that offense at Southern Cal, they're going to throw it around a lot, and we know... Another guy that the media would be apt to vote for. You yeah. have a whole time zone to yourself in yeah. terms of media votes. You know, everybody's going to see his games. There's no doubt about that. Player that's on our depth chart returning. I'm just looking big picture stuff there, by the way. Going back here, uh, a guy that's not a starter that you think will be by season's end. We were asked that question in the defensive roundtable. Player that we think we're going to be talking about. Uh, and we, I think we all voted Zaria Thomas, right? Yeah, that was uh, specifically to freshmen, that question. Yeah, I mean, but, yeah, I mean, it, that might I actually be the answer, too. I think it probably is by by the middle of the season. If you want to be technical, you can say because Jared Verse is on the second line of the depth chart. In an or category, you could argue and say that that's your easy one, that's your cheapy to pick. Mm -hmm. But if you want to be a little bit more risky, uh, I think Azaria might be the guy. I mean, even Johnny Wilson's on the second line. Trey Benson's on the second line on the offensive side. Yeah, and uh, 
again, they're going to share carries. All those guys are going to share carries. So, yeah. I mean, that is and, – and, and one of them will emerge or they'll ride the hot hand. Uh, you were right to point out, and I've loved the camp that he had. Joshua Farmer was so good this year, uh, so good in camp, and, and he's going to make a splash there. Uh, so it's good to have candidates. It's just good to have candidates. I mean, I that was part of the fun of sitting there writing down this list and doing the things that we did for Warchant.com last night and over the weekend – as I was looking at that, I thought a year ago, if you'd asked me this, I'd, I would have been hard-pressed to find anybody that wasn't a starter. You know, who, who would I have grabbed? Who yeah. would I have said, well? Well, that's why yesterday I got my promo on in the morning. I said, man, these roundtables are fun because I can't wait to read what you guys have to say. I know what I'm saying. I was a part of both of them. But I'm like, I wonder what they think. We talk every day in practice, but it's different than reflecting on something and writing about mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. It's a good feature. Orchant.com. There you go. <laughs> go find it. Go grab it. It's uh, pretty straightforward. It's also not surprising to see us all gush over Azaria Thomas. It's cool to have a guy like that on the roster who's that young. We didn't have one of those guys recently. Hour number two, forthcoming. Stay with us.